0: You are listening to the Nixon Now Podcast, I'm Jonathan Mavroides. Last month, an article appeared in Politico Magazine that commemorated the opening day of baseball 50 years ago at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. It discussed President Nixon's love for the game and his relationship with then-Washington Senators Manager and baseball great Ted Williams. The author of the piece joins us today. His name is Frederick Fromer, he's the author of You Gotta Have Heart, A History of Washington Baseball, and is head of the sports business practice at the Dewey Square Group, a public affairs firm in Washington. Frederick welcome.
1: Great to be here thanks
0: Jonathan. Just to kind of start off why did you decide to write this piece or Politico?
1: So I actually started off with the idea of writing a story about uh, Ted Williams um, and the 1969 team because it was a very successful team the only winning franchise of the expansion senators and it had been 50 years and I thought it'd be fun to take a look at that. Um, But as I delved into it um, I saw a more interesting and a broader story, which was um, the fact that not only was Nixon there on opening day and, and rooting on um, Taylor Williams, but also the fact that these two men had been uh, such, such staunch allies through the years, um, and uh, the fact that uh, they had both been um, you know, on the ropes, they had both been kind of written off, and, and here they were making sort of triumphant return to Washington in the same year. So uh, once, uh, once that kind of uh, came to me, I decided it'd be a more interesting story to look at both men uh, to that prism.
0: Nixon threw out the ceremonial first pitch at RFK Stadium um, on opening day. Uh, could you could you describe that moment? What was the date?
1: It was April seventh, and um, at the time, uh, the way presidents threw out the first pitch was very different from what fans now experience. You now we see a president um, or, or a politician will stand on the pitcher's mound, and we're actually maybe a little bit closer to home plate and throw it from that general vicinity. Um, but back um, in those days, the president would actually sit in his box where his seat was and he would throw the ball up for grabs uh, where players from both sides would, would battle for it, kind of like um, bridesmaids trying to catch a bouquet at a wedding. And whoever would get the ball would uh, would... He would uh, get a copy, would bring it over to the president, and have the president sign it. So in this case, um, Nixon was, was given a ball to, uh, to throw out, and uh, he actually dropped it um, uh, like into the stands. And you can see him bending over in this, this picture and, and uh, Ted Williams kind of grinning at his friend's misfortune. So um, as I point out in the piece, it, it didn't really start off very well for, for Nixon or for Ted Williams um, as the, the Senators lost that game 8-4 to that afternoon.
0: You you said earlier that both men were were staunch allies and they sort of made a triumphant return to Washington in 1969. Um could you could you kind of describe earlier early in that year why was it such a triumphant uh return uh for both men, especially we know Nixon becomes president um gets inaugurated for president in in, in January of that year. Um but particular particularly Williams
1: yeah. So, um, you know, you go, going back a decade, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to look at how far the men had come from, uh, 1960. So 1960 was Ted Williams last season as a player. And it was also obviously the year that, uh, Nixon, uh, ran for president, um, the first time, uh, He was uh, vice president or Eisenhower and he lost that race. And, um, so what happened was, uh, with, with Ted Williams, um, he had such a contentious relationship with uh, the fans uh, that when he hit a home run in his final at-bat, you know, it's incredibly um, successful and dramatic moment at Fenway Park. Um, he refused to tip his cap to the fans and just kind of left um, kind of in a huff in a way. Um, and, and, uh, and with Nixon, of course, yeah, he loses the presidential race in the 1962. He loses the governor's race in California, and he famously says, you don't have Nixon to kick around anymore. So kind of looking at b- back at the early 60s, uh, both men had kind of like looked like they were kind of Slinking off and anger from the public stage. Of course, by the end of the decade, um, you know Nixon has this incredibly uh, triumphant return, you know, winning the presidency, um, proving all his doubters wrong. And Williams, uh, in a similar way, you know, he he um, expressed interest in managing, and um, he'd kind of been out of out of baseball for a while, and then the Senators make him their manager um, in the 1969 season, and. He was also really, a lot of people doubted he could do that. Um, he would be good at being manager, and actually, at least in that first year, he was a very successful manager, wound up winning manager of the year of the American League. So um, it was a case where both men um, you know, had, had been really in the depths, and they had this uh, moment where, in 1969, they both, as Nixon said in a letter to Ted Williams, you know, it's my hope that we can both make Washington a first-place city again.
0: Did he? You said he had no ma- prior manager managerial experience. Williams, did he? Did he have any coaching experience before he came on board the the the, um, the Senators?
1: I don't believe he did. Not, not anything in any kind of formal role. Not like a coach on a team. And he may have has helped people here and there, but but not in a, any formal position with a with a team.
0: Why did the Senators decide to take a gamble on him? You
1: know, it was uh, really pretty much a pr move um the uh, the new uh washington centers owner was a guy named bob short um and he ironically had been an adversary of nixon he had been the treasurer for hubert humphrey's campaign in 1968 and uh he bought the team uh the fall of 68 and the redskins the washington redskins had had just hired vince lombardi as coach and so um bob short you know he, he realized that you know there was a a vacuum there um, with Lombardi uh, filling the front pages and and dominating the headlines, and also he wanted to make the splash himself as a new owner, and he thought, well, what better way to do that than than hiring uh, a legend like Ted Williams? You know, he thought that would be a name, it would put people in seats, and it would generate a lot of excitement, and it actually did. It did put people in the seats, and, and there were a ton of reporters that followed the Williams Around spring training that year, 100 people at his news conference, Um, it was that February when he was introduced, Um, there was a ton of excitement. Uh, There was one reporter who even compared his hiring, said it was the most significant off-season baseball move since Jackie Robinson had been um, signed to break the baseball's color barrier. Uh, So uh, Bob Short, you know, he had a lot of failings as owner, but um, he had good instincts in in Ted Williams as a manager.
0: What kind of manager was he? You know there's a lot of talk today about players' managers, people like Aaron Boone or... Or Alex Cora, uh, what kind of what kind of manager was uh, was Ted Williams? Was he was he as surly as a manager as he was a base, uh, as, as a player?
1: Not at first. Um, he he was quite a character. I mean, he he was um, confrontational in the way that he would kind of bark orders at players, and but it was more like I think players kind of respected him um, because of his achievement and um, and because they knew that they kind of took it with a grain of salt when he would say you know kind of. Uh, Things like, for example, to Eddie Brinkman, he said, uh, "You're skier than I thought, you know." And I don't want, I don't want you to see, I don't want to see you carrying uh, your glove around spring training because you need to work on hitting you know, those types of things. But that they really did take a shine to the fact that he was very optimistic as a manager and he really um, encouraged guys to do better. And he really did help them with the mental side of things, especially the mental side of hitting. Um, but he actually was very much a hands-off manager in terms of the tactics and the day-to-day and strategy. Um, He really, he acknowledged he didn't really know how to run a game very well. And he had a a guy on on a a coach, uh, basically one of the first bench coaches, actually um, a minor league guy that uh, helped him with, making in-game decisions, um, he really wasn't for, for all that. In fact, um, during spring training, there was a, a funny story. Um, he heard of these two coaches yelling and getting into an argument about something, and Williams went over to them and said, what's going on here? And they were said they were debating the proper way to do a rundown, and he said, oh, who give it? Yeah, you know, blank about that. Let's go hit. You know, so he wasn't that interested in the in the finer points of uh, fielding or hit and run. He really, he he did one thing while hitting, and that was what he wanted to impart on his players. Although he actually had a very good Im- impact on the pitchers as well because um he knew what would work, and he. Was very much a devotee of uh, of a lot of off-speed pitches, sliders. In um, that sense, really much, really ahead of his time, because you know now the game has gotten in that direction as well. but uh, it, it, the slider is one of the most effective pitchers and pitches. And uh, you know Ted Williams really emphasized that with his pitching staff.
0: Who were the Who were the best players? Who were the the leaders on on the Senators at the time?
1: Well, the best player was was definitely a guy named uh, Frank Howard. Um, he was a slugger that uh, hit, that a lot of home runs and also. Um, uh, struck out a lot um, and so uh, in spring training actually Williams brought him in, into his uh, office and and he said you know uh, how does a guy that hits 40 home runs um, only walk I think it' like, 50 times or something like that you know that a guy with that kind of power should be getting some walks and and Frank Howard said that you know uh... He considers a lot of pitches UFOs, you know, un- unidentified flying objects, has a hard time laying off stuff. Um, and so Tidham said, look, can you hit with at least one strike? Take a really uh, tough pitch and lay off it. And, and Howard did. And, and in fact, uh, he had a great season at his best season ever uh, that year. But it actually took some time. Um, a funny story was told to me by uh, Bowie Kuhn who was the, uh, the baseball commissioner that year. So at the And it's also an opening day. Um, Bowie Kuhn is sitting next to uh, Nixon, and, um, and, and Kuhn is telling uh, Nixon uh, when Frank Howard comes to bat, uh, you're going to see a brand-new Frank Howard. You know He's really uh, worked on his fundamentals. Um, he's going to be much more selective because of all the great work that Ted Williams has done to make him more selective hitter. Well, the first pitch comes, it lands six feet front of home plate, and uh, Frank Howard takes a swing and a miss. And uh, as Bowie Coon told me, Nixon and Coon just looked at each other and laughed (laughs) and didn't say a word. Uh, So uh, it takes some time, but ultimately uh, Nixon's work with Frank Howard and guys like... uh, um, Epstein uh, also paid off. You know, he had a really good impact, and the team the team's hitters were much better. Uh, not, not only for the really good hitters, but a guy like um, Eddie Brinkman, the shortstop I mentioned briefly, um, The two previous seasons he had hit uh, 187 and 188, and he raised his batting average uh, to 266 that year under Ted Williams.
0: Was Williams taken with Washington? Did he did he enjoy managing in that city?
1: I think very much so. Yeah, uh, he he really enjoyed. You know, certainly his relationship with with President Nixon and having him come to the games. Um, uh, he uh, had a lot of friends. Uh, he stayed at a, a fancy hotel during the season. Um, and he was very impressed with the, the fans. Um, they had, John, uh, about 900,000 fans that year, which... Uh, today would be, you know, not very much, but at the time was actually a pretty good number, and and it was the best attendance that that expansion team had ever had. So he was really happy with the fans, the support they had given the team that year, um, and the fact that fans, including Nixon, um, would stay to the very end of the game. Which you know, presidents um, now or in recent years, um, you never never stay till the end, but Nixon always did.
0: How did the? You had mentioned that he won, uh, won that that Williams won Ale Manager of the Year. Um, how, did they, how did the how did the senators? Uh, what was their win and loss record? Did they did they make the playoffs?
1: Didn't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, back then there was uh, no wild card, um, so it was kind of hard to, to make the playoffs. Although it was the first year of divisional play, um, so it was a little bit easier. In, in, in pre, prior to that, you had to be the best team in the league to go to the World Series, and that was pretty much the playoffs. Um, in '69, you had two divisions, and, and um, Williams led the team to an 86 and 76 record, a pretty good record. Um, fourth place in the American League East because you had a lot of good, good teams they were battling against, including the Orioles, the, the Baltimore Orioles that won the pennant that year. Um, but they, they finished, uh, you know, a pretty decent record. And um, in fact, in, in September, their winning percentage was up over 600. You know, the, and they only played one or, one or two games in October, so basically the last month of the season, they were one of the hottest teams in baseball.
0: So Nixon would um, Nixon would attend these games, as you mentioned. He threw out the ceremonial first first pitch. Was he attentive at these games, or was he, you know, was he, was, it, was it was it public relations, or was it was, was he a genuinely interested fan of the game?
1: Definitely a genuinely interested fan. Um, there was a, a detail that I, I came across um, from uh, 1960, actually, uh, when he's sitting. Uh, he was vice president at the time. He's sitting next to President Eisenhower, and Hubert Williams comes to bat. And Williams hadn't announced yet; it was his final season. But uh, the betting was that it would be. And um, he uh, and Nixon turned to Ike and said. Um, this is probably his last season, you know, let's root for him, uh, to hit a home run, and, and sure enough, he did. Um, and I came across an interesting um, uh, correspondence uh, from the RNC to the White House uh, where they go at, this is around the All-Star game that year in 69, which is in Washington, and they had to go to Great Lance talking about how Nixon's affinity for baseball uh, really is a great PR move um, because fans and voters like to see their... Um, their presidents as people like them, and so if they see a president rooting uh, for a team and going to games, then they're going to be, have a more affinity for that president. Uh, but they also note that he uh, he was a, a, a genuine fan. And uh, James Reston actually uh, that that year wrote a column uh, saying basically saying the, the same point that um, you know this is a great uh, PR move from Nixon, but it is absolutely genuine that it's something that he really enjoys doing, and he was a, a huge fan of football and other sports as well
0: you you talk a little bit about a story about the um that Nixon wanted Ted Williams and other um I'm sorry he not 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 Ted Williams but he wanted members of the senators to greet him uh when he came back from uh his his famous kitchen debate in Moscow in 19 uh 59 could you touch upon that story a little bit
1: Sure. One of the funniest stories I've heard in talking to, in talking to players, uh, late Roy Seavers told me a story a few years ago. He was a Senators outfielder um, and uh, a, a, one of Nixon's favorite players. And so um, while Nixon is overseas at the kitchen debate um, uh, in the Soviet Union, um, the Senators had lost 12 games in a row. Um, not unusual, actually, but uh, maybe a little bit worse than normal. And so... Um, Nixon actually called uh, Roy Sievers uh, from Moscow and demanded to know, um, you know what was wrong and, and said he wanted to uh, meet the Senators' players uh, at the airport when he came back. And so uh, Severs came out there and brought uh, a bunch of players that Nixon had asked for by name, some of the core players, and Nixon um, kind of demanded of them, like, what's wrong with you guys? Why can't you win games? and and Severs and the other players said, "Well, you know, our pitching's not good, or he's not good. You know, it's just not happening." And so Nixon said, "I'll tell you what. Um, I'll be out there tomorrow." And the reason he said that was uh, Severs had told me that Nixon was, was a bit of a good luck charm. That um, that they usually won the games that he went to, but they actually lost that game, and their and their losing streak uh, hit I think 17 or 18 games that year. Um, so, uh, but it goes to show that he really followed baseball, even you know certainly in pre-internet age, uh, that he was following baseball from. From thousands of miles away, and uh, and really took a shot. It was really took it personally when the Senators weren't doing well. In fact, years later, um, in 1992, at a at a luncheon, he said you had to have been a real fan of the Senators, uh, a real fan of baseball rather to be a fan of the Senators back then because they were they were such a bad team most years.
0: On to the, <laughs> the Nixon Williams friendship. Uh, when did when did the two first meet?
1: Uh, they had known each other uh, in the fifties um, when nixon was um was vice president and uh Ted Williams would sometimes have have lunch with him when when the Red sox uh, visited washington um so that was the beginning of it um and then they stayed in touch uh through the sixties and and obviously through the uh through sixty nine and the early years of nixon's presidency and williams uh, reign as washington manager
0: you're right that Nixon had a special affinity um for for Ted Williams could you expand on that a little bit
1: yeah I think a lot of it was they had uh, a lot in common um, although on the surface you wouldn't think so you know uh, one was an incredibly talented athlete the other one you know wasn't um, but they they came from the same generation they came from uh, a very similar part of the country uh, Southern California about, about 100 miles apart were born in the 1910s. They both served in World War II, and they they both had this um, tenacity about them. Um, you know that uh, people had written them off, um, people uh, had criticized them, and they both men used that uh, that criticism to fuel them, um, to to kind of prove their doubters wrong. Uh, and so I think that there was a, there was a natural um, affinity between the men because of that, and 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 also Nixon. Uh, Nixon's politics really aligned closely with Williams. He really was a hard uh, right-wing uh, guy in many ways. Although, as I point out in the story, he um, he was pre-liberal on, on civil rights. He uh, championed the New League players' admission into the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, but on some of the social issues, on guns and and, and issues like that, and, and certainly on uh, on military issues, on foreign affairs, he was very hawkish. Uh, the way the president was.
0: Did he campaign for Nixon? He, he did
1: uh, both in, in 1960 and in 68. Um, in fact, um, there's a great story. I, I can't take credit for this one. This is on Brendan Bradley Jr.'s book about Ted Williams. Um, that in 1960, uh, you know, President, I'm sorry, uh, Senator John F. Kennedy, you know, the Democratic nominee, really worked hard to get uh, Williams to uh, support him because he was a home state guy. You know, um, Kennedy was from Massachusetts, but uh, Williams was not interested, and um, he uh, so he sees him uh, at an airport in Miami across the the tarmac, and um, he says to his aide, "That son of a bitch is wearing a a Nixon button," and it really kind of hurt, uh, hurt. um, Kennedy, that, that Nixon uh, had, had garnered his, his home state guy. Uh, so he did a lot of work for him in 60, again in 68. And, and Nixon was very appreciative. He'd always write letters of thank you and send him golf, uh, golf uh, balls and other types of things just as a token of appreciation for the work that uh, Nixon had done.
0: You write that um, Williams had a complicated relationship with the press, much like, uh, much like Nixon did. Uh, could you right. also touch upon that?
1: Uh sure. Um he uh he referred to the reporters as the knights of the keyboard kinda of derisively. And um, you know, it, he just kinda when he came up as a as a young hotshot, um, didn't really have any any clue to ha- how to handle report, dealer reporters and, and work with them. And so uh, you know, he would take uh offense at some criticism um and it sort of snowballed from there. Um so he had uh you know, he, he also had some run ins with fans as well. He once uh, spat in the direction of some fans that to boot him for um, what they considered inadequate um, defensive uh skills. But the funny thing is um that when he came to Washington and he had a news conference in in sixty uh, nine before the season, um he actually assured the reporters there that uh he's actually an easy guy to get along with, that it was only a few uh bad apples in Boston that he had a problem with and uh and also that as a 50-year-old man um, in 1969, that he hoped he'd matured and, and would have a better relationship with reporters. Um, um, and, and actually, that proved to be true for some time. Um, some of the reporters that I'd spoken with, and, and also based on uh, stories at the time, described him as a, a very um, likable guy, uh, someone who really enjoyed the give and take with reporters and 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 chatted with them a bit, um, but that wore off after a while. And and part of that was because he had this policy, which was sort of unique in baseball, which was that he kept the baseball clubhouse closed for 15 minutes after every game to give players time to cool off. And and he thought it was best for both sides that you know reporters would get a better. Uh, more better answers from guys who aren't just coming out of the heat of the battle. Well, reporters had the opposite uh, take on that. They wanted to talk to guys after the heat of the battle. They wanted those fresh emotional answers. They didn't want canned answers um, after guys had time to think about it. Uh, But um, in in fact, um, in 1969, um, the uh, Baseball Writers Association of America had given uh, Nixon uh, something like, I think some kind of, a, uh, they, they made him like an honorary member um, of the association, and they sort of half-jokingly asked, uh, asked Nixon if he could uh, get Toms to change this policy. Um, but Nixon would, would later say that neither, you know, Jesus or Nixon or Bui Coon whatever, to get him to change his policy, that he was, his, uh, he was dead set in keeping that in place.
0: 1969 was a big year uh, in baseball in Washington. Um, the All-Star game was actually hosted at the at RFK a stadium, and uh, President Nixon also hosted a White House reception uh, for 400 uh, baseball VIPs and Hall of Famers. Uh, could you describe the scene uh, around uh, uh, Washington uh, and baseball in summer of 1969?
1: Sure. It was a really exciting time, um, both for for Washington and for baseball. Um, the year, year before was known as the year of the pitcher, um, when you had this sort of... Um, um, just a plethora of one nothing games, really boring baseball, um, and people were getting turned off to the sport. People thought that perhaps football would replace baseball, which it eventually did, but but not 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 that fast. And, and um, the baseball owners uh, responded by uh, lowering the pitcher's mound to get more offense in the game by splitting into two divisions, as I mentioned, uh, so more teams were in contention. And the sport really took off. There was a lot more offense, um, more people were interested in the sport. And for Washington, um, they arrived at the all star break with a 51 and 50 record, which is pretty mediocre by most standards, but in Washington, it was actually a really good record. And so Williams was getting a lot of credit for the work he had done to make the Senators such a better team. And baseball uh, used 69 as a a way to market the sport, um, because it had been the 100th anniversary of the first professional baseball team, the 1869 Cincinnati Reds. And so they did a whole bunch of events um, at at the White House, and and they had a reception for the best players and that type of thing. And so... um, and Nixon, um, he, uh, had, as you mentioned, all these, uh, sports writers and hall of famers and, um, all stars at this reception and he, he made this comment, which must've been pretty stunning to people. He said, I just want you to know that I like the job I have, but if I had to live my life over again, I would like to have ended up as a sports writer. Uh, you know, pretty interesting given his consensus relationship with reporters, although it was really more political reporters, I think, than, than sports writers I think right, he had actually long term relationships with some of those guys. Um. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty exciting uh, time. He was going to throw out the first ball. Uh, unfortunately, the game was rained out. He had to leave for a world trip um, the next day, so uh, the vice president had filled in for him. Um, but, yeah, very exciting time, and, and a lot of home runs in that All-Star game, by the way. It was a 9-3 game uh, the year after a one nothing game and the previous All-Star game. So uh, it, was a, it was a fun time in Washington and really put the city at the center of baseball for, for a few days.
0: Who would win the World Series that year? sixty nine. Yes,
1: the Mets beat the uh, Orioles. uh, Was the uh, the Miracle Mets and and the describing the piece? um, You know that was really the big story of the year. But that Ted Williams, his work in Washington was was a minor miracle, and um, uh, he he really the big biggest storyline I think outside of the Mets was was the job he did in Washington.
0: So he starts off hot with the with the Washington Senators. what happens to? Uh, does he stay on? Does he? Does he? Um, eventually, does he move on to another managerial position, or does he call it quits um, in Washington? Yeah, he,
1: he, he stayed on, um, and unfortunately, the, the Magic really didn't didn't stay after that. Um, you know, the team that he inherited um, the previous year they had the worst record in baseball, and he had pretty much the same players. So it was an amazing job that he did getting them to play as well as they did. But they they played a bit above their heads, and by the next year, 1970. Um they felt the last place um, in seventy one. they were even uh, even worse. Uh, they had, they lost ninety six games in seventy one. And then the team moves to to Texas at the end of the seventy one season. And um Nixon, i'm uh, sorry, uh, Ted Williams, uh, even though he was so high on Washington in the beginning, he basically you know said good riddance. He said that the fans really didn't care. they They had a, a core of five or six thousand people that did, but that Washington was a city of transient people and and uh, and uh, it was the right move to make um to Texas. But Ted Williams, I'm sorry, Richard Nixon was was uh, very upset about it um and said he was heartbroken by the move. And in fact, he even talked um on a, a secret recording secretly recorded tape, uh White House tape with the mayor of Washington um in September of that year about I mean, October rather of that year about other uh cities uh teams that they could lure, like maybe the Indians from Cleveland or the White Sox from Chicago. Um but to answer your question, Williams went to, to Texas the next year um and he managed in seventy two and, and they were uh last place again. Uh actually the worst record in baseball kind of coming full circle from the year before he became manager. And he quit with one year left on on his uh contract. Um and, and it really wasn't um it wasn't really his fault. If you look uh the next year as I did, um the, the next year you had two ho- two great managers um split uh at the time as Manager Billy Martin and Waddy Herzog, and um, they still were a terrible team. They still, I believe, were in last place in '72. So, just just a bad team, and um, he wasn't really able to get uh, get guys to play as well as he could that first year.
0: With Washington at the center of baseball and its 100th anniversary, uh, the well-attended games of the Senators. Why did why they move to Texas?
1: Uh, because they they didn 't draw after that, um, they only had a pretty good um, record for uh, of, of attracting fans in sixty nine because they had a good team uh, once the winning uh, had fallen off, the fans started falling off too, and so you had uh, the attendance wasn't very good, and also the uh, the lease that um, the centers had uh, with the the stadium operators, which was the federal government, um, they, they weren't very really favorable. Um, and the owner, Bobby Short, complained about he wanted to get more parking revenue and uh, concession revenue and uh, really couldn't get that. And so those two factors led, uh, led him to move the team out of out of Washington. And, you know, the the, the team had lost the team um, – I'm sorry, the city had lost the team 11 years earlier. Uh, in 1961, the first Washington Center's team had moved to Minnesota. So they had this track record of not really being able to support a team. And, you know, of course, that's changed in the last um, you know, 10 or 12 years here in Washington. But back then, you know, it wasn't as, as wealthy as the city. It wasn't, uh, uh, the population wasn't quite as big, and they really didn't have a good track record as far as uh, supporting teams.
0: Final question, and this is this is actually a two-part question. Would Ted Williams manage again, and did he correspond with um, President Nixon after Nixon had left office in 74 and um, he had moved away from Washington?
1: Uh, he did not manage again. Um, I uh, I couldn't find any correspondence uh, after the presidency, um, but I did find um, uh, a phone conversation I came across uh, right after um, Nixon... I uh, said right after Ted Williams uh, quit as manager, you can reached out to him and, you know, just kind of said, you know, um, and you, know, you don't have a, you know, whatever happened with the Rangers, it wasn't uh a matter of a lack of support for me. You know, he kinda of chap joked and, and, and Williams really thanked him for and really thanked him for being being there for him all those years. Um so I don't recall anything. They may have had some correspondence after that. I'm sure they did. But um, my, my research was really mostly focused on the years um, of, of 69 to 70, uh, 72, with uh, a little bit focused uh, on the years before that as well.
0: Our guest today is Frederick Fromer. Our topic was President Nixon's love for baseball and his relationship with Hall of Fame great Ted Williams. Fred, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. I enjoyed it. Please check back for future podcasts at nixonfoundation.org or on your favorite podcast app. This is Jonathan Mavroidis and your Belinda.